0: We're talking about evangelistic culture this morning. We've been talking about culture for most of this year. And uh, so um, I'm going to share on evangelistic culture. Um, Joe, you can put that verse up, actually. That can just kind of sit up there. I haven't really got many slides. I'm not really that much of a slides guy. Um, I'm sorry, but um, uh, better than having a blank wall, you've got a nice verse there. Um, and uh, we'll refer to it at some stage I'm sure um, I grew up in Brentwood um, put your hands up if you used to live in Brentwood alright quite a few people in the room and uh, you might remember at the top of um, Ongar road um, kind of after you went past what was the castle pub and uh, before you got to Wilson's Corner there was a light shop do you remember that if you lived in Brentwood there was a shop that, yeah you do great there was a shop that sold lights and lamps and stuff and um as a child, I was fascinated with this shop, and uh, you used to drive up in, I used to be obviously a passenger because I was a child, in the back of the car, and the traffic would queue up to Wilson's Corner, and uh, you'd look across and see these amazing lights in this shop, and at night it was even better, because the lights were all on, and there were hundreds of lights in, uh, in these light fittings, and there were chandeliers. And there were lamps, and they were all different colours, <laughs> and uh, different styles, and, and shapes, and and uh, I loved it. I was drawn to this these these lights, and that's us. I'm a chandelier. You yeah. you are a chandelier. Yeah. You might want a slightly more manly light fitting if it it disturbs you, Um, but you know, there's a light inside of you that is shining out, and um, the reality is that the only difference really between us and those whose lights aren't yet shining out is they just haven't been turned on yet, they just don't know that they're a light, but they are a light, they've been made in the image of God, they've been made to be a light. And uh, we get to live as lights that are turned on. Mm -hmm. And we can either live like that, or we can let stuff just start to eat away at our lightness, at the extent that 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 shines out. Um, There's a whole load of really special stuff that's happened to you to bring you to light. Those lights in that shop had electricity surging through them, that made them all beamy and gleamy and and gorgeous and, and shiny. And there's an awful lot more than electricity that's happened in you to make you to be the most amazing, gleamy, shiny person that you are. Amen. And I'm not talking to you as a group of people who aren't nice and gleamy and lovely and shiny. I'm, I'm talking to you as a group of people, actually, you already are this. You, many of you in your lives, the way you live, the way you do stuff, you are shining out. And Philippians talks about us being lights shining out in the universe. Mm-hmm that's what we do. You know, we could go around this room and just call out what you do because we see it in each one of us, don't we? We see it in each other. And um, so I want to just stir us a little bit. Um, There's some stuff that's happened to you. You'll know all of this already, but this is just good. I love getting up here and just encouraging us about what's happened to us because of Jesus and because of the cross. Um, Did you know that you're loved this morning? Yeah. I know we say that a lot, but you actually are loved this morning. You're not despised. You're not rejected. You're not um, disliked. Even Um, one John says, "So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us." There's a difference between just knowing it and believing it and experiencing it. We don't just know about it. You have come to know and believe it, haven't you? You believe it. That's really the only difference between what makes someone what makes the light shine and what makes it not shine. It's what we believe. We've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. That's a lot of abiding that's going on right now (coughs) inside of you. That sounds like electricity, doesn't it? Um, You've been made alive in Christ. You're alive this morning. Are you alive? Yes, Yes. 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 big show of hands if you're alive in the room. Come on, we're alive, aren't we? Um, God demonstrates his own love for us. Why we we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Oh yes. What about this? You're a child of God. Not only are you alive, not only are you loved, but you're a child of God. Yeah. You're not an orphan, but you're a son and a, or a daughter. But to all who have, uh, but to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. John's Gospel says, "You're a child of God this morning." Yeah. That that surely helps just make your light shine a little bit more. Yeah? Uh, What about this one? You've no longer got a sin problem, but you've got a righteousness opportunity. (laughs) Okay, this one we might have to do a bit more work on, do you think? (laughs) You no longer have a sin problem. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Says that in one John two two. He's the atoning sacrifice. He's made up for all your sin, he's already done that. Yeah. You no longer have a sin problem. <laughs> yeah. oh. um, Romans six now you celebrate your freedom from your former master, sin. You've left its bondage, and now God's perfect righteousness holds power over you as his loving servants. That's the Passion Translation if you're not recognising it. Now you celebrate your freedom from your (coughs) former master, sin. You've left its bondage and now God's perfect righteousness holds power over you as his loving servants. Do you know that you are crazy powerful not to sin? Because you've got self-control surging through you. Which means that you have control over this. Which shapes what you do with these. And what you do with this. So you no longer have a sin problem. You don't have the excuse of being enslaved to sin. I'm really sorry if you were hiding under that excuse. If that was just making your life easier because you could pass the buck for your bad behavior. (laughs) You actually can't do that if you're in Jesus. I'm really sorry you can't. But instead you get to walk in his righteousness. You get to do unbelievable stuff. You get to live the most raucous adventure you could possibly imagine. Because his light is shining in you. Have I convinced you that you no longer have a sin problem? But you have a righteousness opportunity. Um, What about this? Hope himself now resides in you. And your outlook can now be from his perspective hope himself now resides in you every single place you go you get to dispense hope yeah everywhere when you walk in rooms rooms the atmosphere in the room changes because he is in you and when he comes in the room as the song says everything changes um this is also from the Passion Translation, but it's just beautifully written. Colossians one 26-27. There's a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations. But now it's being revealed. You can hear the music picking up. <laughs> it's now being revealed, unfolded and manifest for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people and God wants everyone to know it. This is Colossians 1, This, the, All these things I've just said, this is the good news of your life. And this is the stuff that makes you shine. And there might be things that want to come along and rob you of that shining, but you get to declare this stuff every single day. When you wake up, when you look in the mirror. In fact, can I just say, this will be on a podcast. So get this podcast playing so that it gets in your head. These verses, this stuff, this is what Jesus has done for you. And it will change your Monday morning blues. I promise. It will absolutely change your Monday morning and your Tuesday morning and your Wednesday and your Thursday and your Friday. Saturday mornings kind of take care of themselves because everyone feels good on Saturday mornings. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not really true. Jesus will change your Saturday mornings yeah. too. <laughs> Whenever you feel that so because come on, let's be honest, there are moments in the week where we have that. You know, maybe it's Sunday evening. Oh, Monday tomorrow, back to work. No, 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 no! come on. Get these verses out, dust them off. Make them the thing that is the soundtrack to your life. It will change you, I promise. It will change you. Um, you cannot have an evangelistic culture outwardly till you've got one going on inwardly. It just won't happen. Anytime. When, it, when we mention evangelism there's normally a couple of reactions to it. Particularly if you talk about evangelism from the front of the church. Because most people think that what's coming is going to be something that gets inflicted on them. <laughs> there is some sense of, oh no, I'm going to be asked to do something that actually I'm not really sure that I want to do, but it's the kind of thing that I think I'm supposed to do because I'm a Christian. Yeah? Have Thank you me. ever had those feelings around the, the notion of evangelism? Mm-hmm. Well, can we just just brush all of that nonsense away? Any time in my life that I've ever felt a sense of duty, um, a sense of uh, evangelism, being daunting, you know, like that sense of oh, I've got to go up and talk to strangers, I've got to go and ask people if they knew Jesus, I've got to say, "Excuse me, I'm a Christian." Um, I've got, to, you know, have, have you ever done door knocking? Who remembers the days of door knocking? Yes. <laughs> That's hardcore. Yeah, very. Um, we don't like people knocking on our doors most of the time, do we? <laughs> if we're really honest. <laughs> Why did we think they were going to like it? <laughs> but you know, God actually used door knocking. I've seen God use door knocking <clears> in amazing <throat> ways. Almost, yeah. The problem with door knocking is only that if the person doing the knocking on the door feels like they're doing it out of a sense of duty, and that fire isn't a light shining outside of them, then when that door opens, that person's not seeing a raging fire. They're just seeing somebody who looks slightly awkward standing on the doorstep really wishing that they were at home watching the TV programme that that person on the doorstep was actually been attracted <laughs> from. watching that's really what's going on any time that we feel duty bound we, we got into this a little bit with alpha courses and stuff like this that we think we have to do it it's a million miles away from what Jesus ever asked us to do with the Great Commission it's a million miles away from what happened at Pentecost isn't it? what happened at Pentecost was these lights came on and it was literal lights, these fires landed on people's heads and that got the attention of the whole city light tends to do that Um, many rooms that we get to walk into are quite dull aren't they? Quite dark already there's not a huge amount of encouragement if you're at school if you're at college, um, in a workplace there's not typically lots of encouragement that goes on So when you walk into the room, because this light is shining out of you, people notice. They do notice you. Um, People notice me when I walk into rooms. I know they do. Mm. I don't mean that in an arrogant way at all. I I know that I, I can do that when I walk into a room. I have bad days when I know I can do something else to a room. But I know when I walk in, in my identity of who I am in Christ... And now it changes an atmosphere yeah. Yeah. and you're just the same and people are looking for it. People in the dark are looking for the light. you ever walked through a dark room? You're looking for any light reference point in a room, aren't you? Because you want to get accustomed to what you can see. You're not trying to get accustomed to the dark, you're actually looking for light. And people are looking for the light. They might not know it, they might not put those words on it, but they are looking. They're looking for hope, they're looking for reassurance. They're looking for someone to tell them that it's going to be okay. That things could get better and not worse. So we've got quite an amazing opportunity. Because right now I'm looking at my light shop. When we get together there's thousands of lights. That's the reality. This is a light shop. and We go our different ways in the week and some of us meet up in the week, but we get to be light everywhere we go. Um, You're the light of the world, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, the motivation is not them seeing us. It's not my fame. It's not, I don't want to walk into a room and change the atmosphere in the room and people notice me and that be it. That's just Celebrity. That's not real. That's not real life. That's a false God, actually. What we're wanting to do is to spark, is to allow the spark in us to make me shine in such a way that, and make me act in such a way that when people then see me, they actually get a revelation of who the Father is. <coughs> and in turn, that revelation of who the Father is reveals who they are because they're made in His image. That then sets a fire off in them, which enables them to do the same. To reveal the Father to the people around them. Brilliant. To reveal their identity. So this thing is supposed to catch. We've got a kids' group called Wildfire. It's a really good name, although probably not if you're in California right now. <laughs> but that's what this is about. This yeah. is supposed to catch. And I don't know if you've noticed, but since the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost on those 120 guys, how much has this fire spread? Mm. There's a plan in heaven for this fire to spread and for our light to get lighter and brighter. And we get to this, this. This is a really easy subject for me because whether I've had this language or not, I've been a Christian for years and I've been doing this for years and years and years. I've always had this idea that it's possible to do this. It's, always, it's been possible. I remember as a kid at primary school, I managed to get all of my class to come to my crusader group. Because I just knew that they needed to hear the truth of the gospel. They needed to hear the joy of the Lord that I had. They, and they, that, my friends at school would want to know, what is it about you? Why are you different? Because they could see something different. Yeah. People are drawn to it. I remember being with Martin, like, years ago. I was 17 years old, and I got the chance to speak to my sixth form um, at school. Because you couldn't. the teachers couldn't preach the gospel, and they had a Christian RE teacher who... Um, uh, clearly wanting to preach the gospel but couldn't and we had general studies which nowadays they call it citizenship um, but in those days it was just general studies and it were these sessions that they didn't, the teachers didn't really know what to do with them. so I asked if I could have a session so I got an hour with not only the the, upper six, uh, the lower sixth which I was in but also with the upper sixth so I got an hour to entertain 200 people <laughs> on the gospel Mm-hmm. And so I went round to see my friend Martin to say, um, I've got myself into a bit of a hole. <laughs> and uh, so we came up with a plan. And uh, it just seemed obvious to me. People needed to know mm-hmm. that God's light, that Jesus is the light of the world, that hope was possible. I wasn't doing it because I wanted to get famous. I wasn't doing it because I wanted a good reputation. In fact, my reputation took a bit of a knock. I was doing it because I wanted my light to shine. And there is something sacrificial. You know, you think about a candle, a burning candle. There is something sacrificial about living like this. Mm -hmm. But it's the only way to live. It's absolutely the only way to live, but it starts inside. You can't have an outward... External evangelist culture until it starts in here, and I know that the great thing is I'm preaching to the converted. hell yeah, yeah. As a result of you doing that, did, did you have any response from anyone? Like, are you aware that anyone was? Yeah, there was there was at least three that gave their lives to Jesus um, in wow. the in the days and weeks after that, um, and. um yeah, other conversations and, you know, who knows? That, I mean, that's the great thing, isn't it? Yeah. There will be a day where I'll bump into people in yeah. heaven and I go, huh! <laughs> and we get to do that. And we, won't, and we will spend eternity doing that. Yeah. And actually, you will. You have no idea the light that I've You would be so encouraged if you heard. You would be so encouraged to know the effect that you have been having through your lifetime. I'm not saying any of my stories because I want to be arrogant. You know that. I'm saying this because we're already doing it. But I'm I'm not even half done yet. And so our light gets to shine brighter. You you where you are now. I was I was in a context yesterday. Um, I was at a Catholic um, uh, um, service yesterday. They asked me to speak um, at a regional Catholic event yesterday in the town, and. Um, Uh, I was getting to basically talk about this. Um, The theme was, um, who is your neighbour? So we were looking at the parable (coughs) of the Good Samaritan. Um, But this isn't, for me it's not about this just being for non-believers. Paul says the Gospel is for believers and non-believers. So we get to take the Gospel everywhere, and the Church needs the Gospel just as much, in fact sometimes more so, than than the non-believers do. So getting to share this stuff with people, it brings them to life. Yeah. Um, why did I mention that? There was a reason. I can't remember. There was a conversation I had. Um, anyway, I've got a guide to um, how to start an internal revival. So would you like to hear that? Yes. And then we're going to pray. So number one, um, rejoice in his salvation. Um, uh, Christmas is coming, isn't it? Yes they um, those folks that light Advent candles, have lit in their first one. It's, um, it's happening. And um, Christmas is about Emmanuel coming. Yeah. Yeah. God is with us. So um, we get to rejoice in the fact that Jesus is with us. Um, Jesus had encounters with people and it set the room alight. Um, I was reading in the week um, a little bit about this. So Mary goes to visit her cousin, Elizabeth. Remember that? Yeah, Yeah, we're about to read about it over Christmas, aren't we? Mary goes to visit her cousin and Elizabeth gets a revelation and prophesies over Mary. Mary rejoices. She gets gets seriously happy. If you read that, there's a seriously happy young lady. She's had an encounter with Jesus. For her, literally. The baby Jesus is in her tummy. (laughs) Then... Elizabeth gets that revelation. Not only Elizabeth, but John, unborn baby Baptist John, he also starts leaping for joy. Why? Because he's had an encounter with Jesus as well. And that same Jesus is inside you. So you get to experience that same sense of rejoicing Mm -hmm. that he has chosen you. He has chosen to come and live in you. He's chosen to use you to bring transformation to the whole planet. Come on, let's see some smiles. There we go. Um, Rejoicing is really important. Do a study on this. Do a study on rejoicing. Check out all the people that rejoiced. Do you know there's even a moment after Jesus has sent out the 70, they come back, they're rejoicing because of what's happened. Jesus says, whoa, 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 don't just get excited because demons are freed actually get excited because your names are written in heaven. Because you are known to your Father. And you know, at that point, the Holy Spirit falls on Jesus, and Jesus gets super, super excited. And he then, it says, he's full of the Spirit and full of joy. Now, I didn't think Jesus could not be full of joy, but it turns out there was even more that he could experience in that moment of joy. And we can experience that. I just As we were worshipping, I just felt like I, I wanted to declare over us a fresh season of joy. Mm. There is something amazing about us as a worshipping community. Mm. And it's brilliant. And our worship team do a stunning job week after week of leading us in worship and intimacy and face-to-face encounters, don't they? Mm. And absolutely great. What I also am hungry for is for a praise explosion to take place in yeah. this church. Yeah. That there is something, not contrived in terms of song choices and all that stuff. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there is something about the way that we wake up in the morning that causes us just to leap out of bed and praise him. Mm-hmm. I wake up happy in the mornings. My aim is to normally make Leo laugh within the first few seconds that we're both awake. Because that, I, I wanna, I'm alive. I want to be full of life. And I want that to invade my praise. Yeah. And then when we come together as a church, we get to experience that. And then that's, that's when praise kicks off. Praise in church is often hard. It's often easier to get into worship because it kind of still suits our duvet. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. With... Heaven so wants you to experience the duvet of heaven. So that's not wrong, and I'm not saying it's wrong. And he wants to take our hurt, and he wants us to, be, to know that we're healed. He wants those things, just like we're experiencing this morning. But come on, that first section of stuff that I did this morning on those verses, that is enough to get you up and moving yeah. and praising him yeah. for all He's done because he's awesome. And we haven't even mentioned creation. We haven't even mentioned the fact that the sun is shining right now into this place and filling us up with all kinds of vitamins and nutrients and stuff that we get to enjoy. There's amazing things that we get to praise God for. The health that you have, that you live in day after day after day. There's so much that you get to give praise for. The relationships that you've been blessed with in your life. There's a ton of stuff. I didn't even mention any of that, and I'm not going to because of time. But we've got so much that we can praise Him for. So, number one, rejoice. Live a life of rejoicing. It will spark an internal revival in you. Um, Number two um, is um, come boldly in His presence. Um, do you know, um, I want to get these ones the right, number, number two is come bold into his presence, even in our weakness, and number three is be ruthless with sin. The reason I've put them in this order is because number two is, what I've noticed about me is when I feel weak, and when I do something daft, when I do something sinful, when I do something selfish, I feel rubbish about myself, and what I then tend to do is hide and we've got to do the opposite to that. We've got to learn this. We, we, we can't let shame be the thing that directs our steps away from God. We can't let regret be the thing that directs our steps away from God. This is really, really practical. When you next do something that is selfish, sinful, bad choice, bad thought, bad behaviour, whatever it is, I want you to do the opposite thing to that little naggy internal voice that wants to say you're rubbish you need to go and hide. You need I want you to do the opposite. I want you to boldly approach your father and go and sit on his lap. Because it says here just to scare you a little bit. It says in Hebrews nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Oh, no. Yes, you on your worst day is not hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before his eyes. Oh, no. Um, um, uh, To him whom we must give an account. Holy moly. Therefore, since we have a great high priest. This is great. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise, to empathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace confidently so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When you stuff up, don't go and hide your head in the sand. It won't do you any good. All you will get is a reflection of yourself and what you've just done wrong and condemnation will increase. What you have to do, what I have to do and I'm preaching to myself as much as everybody else is let's run into our Father's arms. Do you know you've already been forgiven for sins you haven't even done yet? Yet we think we, we have, that God has got a problem with us because of our sin. God doesn't have a problem with you because of your sin. The problem that you have is, is that's because of your sin is that your sin causes you to run away from God's presence. It causes you to want to distance yourself. Your sin has been dealt with on the cross. That doesn't give you a license to carry on sinning. As we know, Paul said that really clearly. Don't be silly. Um, don't carry on sinning. That almost rhymes. Um, don't do that. The fact that you have already been forgiven. Was it the Pope who wanted to rewrite the Lord's Prayer? I think he did rewrite the Lord's Prayer. Um, Go and Google it or something. He rewrote the Lord's Prayer and basically wanted to pick up on this thing about asking for forgiveness because he had a revelation of the fact that actually forgiveness has already happened. The thing that us asking for it does, if you want to do that, the thing actually, more importantly, the thing around saying sorry is it enables you to realise that you have been forgiven, and it enables you to communicate to God, you know what, I have been going in that direction, and I'm done with that, and I'm going to go this way. I'm so sorry that I went that way, and I now receive your forgiveness. The problem with not knowing if we're forgiven or not makes us unsure whether we've got anything to receive. You have been forgiven, therefore you can receive his forgiveness that is available to you. It was made available to you at the cross. But the vital thing is that you stop doing what you would doing, Which is why I mentioned earlier on that you've got self-control to control what goes on in here. So it enables you. You don't have to sin anymore. But you have to stop. And so number three is be ruthless with sin. Literally stop what you're doing. Turn around and go in the opposite direction. But if you can go straight into the Father's lap, if you can encounter him face to face. You know Andy was talking about last week? This thing about God's presence. That actually the word presence in the Hebrew is face to face. That actually we get to be this close. Do you remember I was standing here and, and, and Teresa and Andy literally face to face, so close. That's what you can be. It's the moment you know that you've sinned, you can have those encounters with him. You won't need to sin after that. It'll change you. Okay. Um, man, we're running out of time. Um... Uh, Number four is walk through the valleys. Don't stop. Um, What valley have you found yourself in? Is it ill health? Is it loneliness? Is it financial need? Is it bereavement? Um, The thing about difficult circumstances, the thing about tough times, is sometimes we can just get stuck. And the point about that psalm is that we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't stay there. We don't build a house there. We don't admire the view. Um, What is it about throat lozenges that they're so sweet and sugary that it makes you almost want to have a sore throat? (laughs) The spoonful of sugar in the medicine is so good that you go, "Oh, Oh, I'm feeling really poorly. I need to buy myself some throat lozenges. It's ridiculous. But it's true though, isn't it? And our society kind of does that. And we can find comfort and and a sense of solace in our valley. Don't do that. (laughs) There's a thing about self-pity that goes on. You start looking for people to bring you comfort in your valley. No, what you need is an encounter with God where you keep walking through your valley to get out the other side. And look to friends to get them to provoke you to do that. Even in sickness. Even when there's unemployment and there's financial need. Don't stay in there. That's not your lot. That's not your inheritance. That's not your portion. Um, Okay. Um, Be other-centered, number five. Um, My my last little point on um, on number four was um, be God-dependent, not (coughs) drug-dependent. (laughs) which perhaps is a bit strong, but you know what I mean. Um, Our dependency has got to be on him. Medicine is awesome. Do go to the doctor if you're ill. Doctors are really good. Medicine is very helpful. Um, But make God the thing that you're dependent on. Um, Okay. Um, Be other-centered. This is not the same as rejecting yourself. But if you haven't got stuff going on in your life that is about you loving other people, then that's weird. We've been made in God's image and God's image is Mm other-centred. You know why we believe in Trinity? Because when God says his love, we can see it modelled through Trinity. That's why we don't have a a monotheist religion thing going on. Our God is love and we see it modelled. And you've been designed in his image to love other people really, really well. And you guys do that in amazing, awesome ways. And the thing is, if we are living self-centered, then actually we're living at odds with how we've been designed to be. So having other-centeredness going on in our lives and recognizing that that is who we are and who we're meant to be, it will spark internal revival in you. Um, Okay, we're going to pray, if that's all right. We're sharp running out of time. Um, So, does your dimmer switch need some adjusting? Or is it already wound up to the max? You are in control of your dimmer switch. (coughs) Um, stand up if you want to make sure your dimmer switch is on to the max. If you're happy with it, set where it's set, that's up to you. You can stay seated if you like. I'm not going to manipulate you or put you under any pressure. Um, but if you... What about if your if you're dimmer... You know on um, amplifiers, they, they sometimes go up to 10. <laughs> Um, if you've ever seen the movie Spinal Tap, there's a guy, the guitarist, he's got an amplifier and he can turn. He wanted a louder amplifier, so he rubbed the 10 out and he, he added an 11. So he could turn his amplifier up to 11. Who wants their amplifier, their light, to be turned up to 11? Yeah. <laughs> okay, just put your arms out, right where you are. Oh, fuck. Well. Yeah, glory to mm. well. Oh, fuck. Mm. Jesus, I want to thank you that our light is on the inside of us. And Jesus, it's you. Yes. Yes. Jesus, you're the filament inside me. Mm. Jesus, you are the light that cannot be extinguished. Mm. You have come and set up residency in my heart. Thank you, Father. And you have transformed me to be a light bearer. Mm. I'm a living lighthouse. Jesus because you're on the inside of me. I want to thank you that there is nothing that this world can throw at me that can turn that light off. There is nothing that can extinguish it. I want to thank you that you call me a son, that I'm loved. You've adopted me into your family. I want to thank you that you've made me alive in me. I want to thank you you've made me to be awesome. But I thank you it starts off from the inside because it's your awesomeness. It's your life in yeah. me. It's, it's, it might be my weakness, but it's your strength. Mm-hmm. So, Lord, I just want to speak that confidence over us that this is about you, that you love us and it's not our mm-hmm. fault. Right. We didn't do anything to earn it. You've come. And we've invited you. We've said yes you, to Lord. you. That's the bit that we get Lord. to do. We get to believe you. We mm, get to yes. say yes to you. We get to walk in the freedom that you've given us at the cross. Mm, yes. And Lord, I just want to ask Holy Spirit that you would come and empower us around this room in yeah. this whole area of self-control. Jesus. That we are in control of our inner switch. Lord, that we would not allow stuff of this world to rob us of the light that we can shine out. And I pray that you would help us in our weakness, Lord. We're not denying that we have days or we go through seasons that are tough. We're not denying that there's weakness. But, Lord, we totally recognize that you have enabled us not to live there. Mm. You've enabled us not to um, build our houses in the valleys. You've enabled us to be people who live uh, in the light. You've enabled us to be people who walk through those difficult times, those difficult seasons. Mm. And continue to shine, to actually provide a way, to provide a way for others to come through. Mm-hmm. I thank you that this is about hope. Thank you. So Lord, for each one of us, I thank you that you are really personal and you know the struggles. Yes. You know those are but thoughts that anyone in this room is having right now. And Lord, you just want to come alongside each one of us and dislodge those Mm. are-but-thoughts. Jesus. And restate your centrality as our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords and the lover of our souls. Lord, I pray we would see an increase even this week in Mm. our conviction around our self-control to think great thoughts, to do great great things. Yes. to say amazing, life-giving things. Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I want to pray for vision to increase around this place. Lord, yes. that for us as a church, that our vision of who we are as hope carriers would increase. Yes. The impact that you've called us to have yes. in and through this building, yes. out into this city. Just as Andy was talking about last week, that we're your legislative assembly. I pray our vision would increase mm. around this. That we're a city on a hill. You've called yes. us not to be hidden. You've called us to be visible yes. for your glory. Very now. Mm. Thank, you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Lord. Lord. Mm. Lord, I pray for our Monday mornings, mm. our, our blue moments in the week. <laughs> And I want to just pray for face-to-face encounters that cause hope to be dripping from every part of us. Just come against um, anxiety that would want to rob us of joy. Come against lethargy that Mm. wants to rob us of joy. Of that thing of being able to praise. Thank you, Jesus. Just mm. declare your life, your abundant life over each one of us. Thank you, Lord. Lord, well, I pray that as what I've shared this morning, and what we encountered in worship, rests with us. I just pray mm. that we would allow that to continue to minister yes. us to us through this Love. afternoon and this evening and on through this week. I pray that our conversations this week would be filled mm. with your light, that, with that sense of calling the light out of one another. Lifting each one up. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.